0: Welcome to episode 15 of The Process, Define Your Value
1: to get my blessings, time to get my blessings. I had to live my life, I had to learn my lessons. I had to keep that smile, but deep inside, I'm stressing. Trying to keep my spirits from that deep depression. It's time to tighten up, I put my pride
2: down, and pick that
1: Welcome to episode 15 of The Process. I am Quavon Taylor, and I'm Monte
0: Martin. Today, we have Mr. Preston Harris on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Preston.
2: Thank you, sirs. Uh... I appreciate it It's a pleasure to be a part of your, your podcast You guys do great stuff And uh, I'm excited to, to, to meet with you And talk with you a little bit
0: Cool Can you tell the listeners about uh, where you're
2: from? Uh, I'm from Lincoln, Nebraska I'm 29 years old I live in Jacksonville, Florida But uh, I'm from Nebraska There's not many black people that you'll know That are from Nebraska But uh, that's where I, that's where I was raised uh, that's where I grew up. It's a it's a fantastic place, um, especially you know um, coming to Florida. There's a lot of differences and um, and um, it was it's a it's kind of been a transition. You know, Nebraska everything's integrated, like everything's together. Like there's not as separated and segregated as it is down here in Florida. And so you know it's it's been a it's been a little bit of a change, but I'm enjoying it. And I, I, I like Jax. Uh, I went to got to check out Miami for the first time it was a beautiful place but uh Nebraska is where I'm from but uh I'm, I'm in Jacksonville now
0: Lake Nebraska the only thing I know about Nebraska, Nebraska is corn and soybeans <laughs> uh the corn huskers and uh what's the Crawford know, <laughs> and Omaha
2: but uh, oh. what was some you know what were some struggles growing up you know in in Nebraska um, Probably the biggest struggles that I had growing up in Nebraska were um, I think people are comfortable. You know, there's not people are, are um, they get to a certain level with their job or with their career or they, they take the steps, you know, you go to school, you go to college or you start working right after school, you get your family and then you're satisfied with life. And so for me, um, being in Nebraska, I was I always knew that I was built for more than um, that place offered. And so um, that was probably one of my biggest challenges. And then, you know, not seeing a lot of African-Americans in positions of power. Um, it's easy to to see that down here in the South. But in Nebraska, you don't see black superintendents. You you rarely see that. And we got one in Omaha, finally. But um, it's 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 different as a kid to grow up. And you don't see a black CEO, and so how is that gonna be something that you can put in your head and make a reality when that's the only thing you see is that on TV, which you rarely see that on TV. So growing up in a place like Nebraska, we don't have, um, I mean, Omaha, you got the gang stuff, you got you got big gang stuff in Omaha, but uh, in Lincoln, where I'm from, it's just people are just comfortable and um, and satisfied with being average, and that's not that's not what I'm about. So was that something you you think you were born with or
0: where did you get that that drive to want more and not be complacent?
2: You know, I think it was it was born in me. And I think, you know, I I had I had a chance to get exposed to some things. My uncle is from St. Louis and he um, he was always um, doing different events and he he was he owned his own business. And so getting to see that and, you know, my dad was an entrepreneur and so he, he would make, I remember being 10 years old, making buttons in the, in the basement, getting ready to sell them at football games, you know? Um, so he was always hungry and he was always hustling. And so um, I think that hustler's mentality always got to me, but you know, the desire to, to see him work as hard as he did and never really make it on a huge national scale, um, that just kinda, I just wanted to do what he did and just take it to the next level. And, and make it a national scale and help people and um, and, and be the best that we can be, because you know i want to, I want to be that example for kids from Nebraska that you can get out and you can do great things. So
0: I guess your uncle was kind of like an outlet, you know, something that you can see outside of your environment, but you can still see yourself doing uh, positivity. Um, did you have any role models in your household or you know did you live with your parents, single parent home, both parents? How was yeah. your uh, household structure?
2: My household structure was, uh, I have two parents, uh, John and Charlene Harris. Uh, my father was, is a minister, he's a pastor, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm the oldest of four kids. Uh, I have two sisters and one brother. Um, the biggest role model for me growing up, other than my father, you know, running his business and stuff was my grandfather. Um, he, was, he played basketball for Crispus Attucks High School uh, in Indianapolis and played on the teams with Oscar Robertson. Uh, that were the first black uh, schools to, t- first black all black teams to win a championship in the University of Indiana, um, and he came to Nebraska, and he was the first guy to show him how to dunk, and so he was he was the man out here. He was a police officer, and everything like that. So um, growing up, he was probably um, my biggest role model. Um, Because you know he worked hard Did everything with his hands And and, you know and and wasn't afraid And was loved in the community And you know it's great to be loved in the community And be able to do great stuff and give back to people
0: Awesome So growing up in in Lincoln Nebraska um, How did you navigate The not being complacent Other than you know being with your uncle What What was your goal growing up What did you see yourself doing And how are you you know going about that now
2: Well, uh, I always wanted to be a business owner. That was uh, one of the things. But, you know, sports is what drives every kid as every kid. And so um, for me, it was a lot of failure, man. Um, That was what drove me. Like, I always knew that I had uh, greatness in me, but I would fail a lot. And I wouldn't maximize my potential to myself. You know, there's one thing where people expect things of you. And there's another thing of of you expecting stuff of yourself. And um, for me... You know, in high school, you know, I was the man the first two years uh, playing football. I, I went, I was the quarterback. And then, you know, it's going into my junior year. I'm getting ready to be the starter. And um, my coach, we get a new coach and he tells me, I don't like the way you throw the football. You're going to play wide receiver. And, you know, for me, being a kid, I didn't have the confidence enough to stand up for myself and be like, nah, I'm the quarterback. And, uh, and that was probably the thing that that drove me was, you know, all those people who I felt like I I put myself, I didn't stand up for myself in positions or I didn't achieve everything that I could. That's what's driven me to be successful. And so when I was working, I went to college at Concordia University in Nebraska. I played football there. I played corner and uh, my last football game, you know, I was getting ready. Um, I was a corner. I was getting ready to go to combines and things like that and uh my last football game my coach you know they start making speeches about everybody all the seniors and everything and he goes this is Preston. he's from nebraska and that was all he said and so i was just like wow. oh i was like yo i've been a four-year starter i've given you i've given this program everything i should have transferred it, and that's all you got to say and so i got butt hurt and i didn't play well my last game and that was probably the game where i had all the scouts there and everything like that i was one vote away from being all american You know, yeah. And I would have got that had I had I been engaged. And so for me, um, to get to where I'm at now, it's been a lot of failure, a lot of failure, a lot of failure, a lot of picking myself up off the ground. But um, once you do that, you know, the thing is, is I'm not afraid of nothing. You know, Mm -hmm. I I I I, anything that comes up against me, I'm not afraid. It's just okay. Let's get it done. So I think you hit on
0: something very important. Just the you talked about basically having to pick yourself up you know what I mean I think that's something that we learn later on in life but what advice could you give to l- our listeners um, in terms of what it takes to sometimes have to encourage yourself and pick yourself up and knowing your value
2: yeah um, you know I'm a big comedy fan and one of my favorite comics is uh, Cat Williams but he always talks about your star fucking player you know talking to that person in the mirror you have to be your own star fucking player and you have to be the coach and you have to motivate and inspire yourself and you know that was the big thing for me is because when everybody else around you is telling you one thing and you got this vision in your head you can't allow them to penetrate that you got to stick to your guns and so no matter what's going on around you Uh, Les Brown says it the best. You know, no matter how bad it is or no matter how bad it gets, I'm going to make it. I'm going to win. And when you have that vision, you have that mentality. It's just, you know, you fall down, you get up, you know, you fall down, you get up. You can't let the circumstance um, determine how you feel about yourself or, and you can't let how others feel about you determine how you feel about yourself. And that's the big thing that stops us is, you know, we worry about what this person's gonna think. We worry about what that person's gonna think. Instead of worrying about, hey, I'm here. I'm in control of the situation. What can I do to either get myself out of it or what can I do to improve?
1: What do you feel is the most common reason for people failing or giving up?
2: I think it's uh, their perception of themselves and then their perception of what other people think uh i feel like most most people you know they'll have a dream or they'll have something inside of them and you know like oh i got this great idea and when you ask them why they haven't acted on it they're like well i gotta do this i gotta do this i gotta do this and it's like you know that perception of yourself that you don't know what to do and it's like you never know what to do in any situation you know it's about just taking the next step And so that's what holds people back is they're so worried about what I not know instead of just figuring out, I know this, let me take this step. I know this, let me take this step. And then, you know, with other people, like I said, you know, there's a lot of different influences. You know, you might have a great idea and then you go tell your friend and then your friends like that's stupid. Then that's going to make you pull back on your idea, even though it might have been a great idea. And so with a lot of that, I just recommend that people protect themselves protect your ideas protect your protect your creativities until you're ready to share that and hear criticism because if i tell you something that's important to me and you you crush it you know i can't allow that to crush me i have to i have to still stick to my gun stick to my vision and, and be able to make it make the idea a reality and execute so
1: I, I, I like that you never gave up, and you know we all go through different we all go through different challenges and different adversities. You know me, I'm from Miami, Liberty City. I mean that's like a uh, that's like urban America. You know what I'm saying? A lot of a lot of crime. You know, uh, in Nebraska, how was that? Like, are there any hoods, ghettos? Like, like what things did you you, you guys really overcome? Like in, in Nebraska, like racism? Like you know, different places got the different things. But we had one. One, one female on here, she's from Okeechobee, Florida And yeah. there's a lot of racism over there I mean, how, what's the dynamics of Nebraska?
2: You know, in the South The racism is apparent You know, if somebody don't like you They're going to tell you they don't like you And you can see it Up North, they might act like they like you But they really don't And so the racism aspect is, is different um, Martin Luther King Talks about it as tokenism You know, you got your token guy That you got your token black guy who covers for all the black guys. And so, you know, I got my black friend. I'm good. Um, And so I think that's a lot of the things as far as racism in Nebraska that I've experienced Um, for me. I would say um, the toughest part about Nebraska. There's ghettos like um, Omaha. Omaha is one of the most dangerous places in the world to be a black man, you know, and it's only about four or five blocks. Uh, north omaha it's real you know if i'm looking at comparing jacksonville and miami like the crime and everything like that you go to north omaha you can see that um but for me it's about education man like you've got students who are not being taught in schools and who are not being exposed to anything that's gonna um, expand their reality and so if all you know is is um, crime and, and gangs Then that's all you gonna That's that's your reality That's what you're Going to be okay with If you're If all you know is You know Nebraska from Where I'm from Lincoln is You know you go to High school After high school You may or may not Go to college But you're not Going to be a star Or anything like that You're not going to Own your own business You're just going to Go work for somebody The rest of your life That's that's what you're gonna do and it's not that I'm talking down on working for somebody but it's just that you know expand your vision you know there's more things out there and so people get stuck in Nebraska it's like a black hole you 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 get you go there and you get comfortable with all these other people who are comfortable around you and then you're good and I don't, I don't ever want to be comfortable and for the kids that I've had the opportunity to work with you know the, my saying is never be average I, I don't want to be the average person that you meet. And I want to be the average guy that you meet. I want to be extraordinary. I want to be um, phenomenal. I want to be everything. I want to be the light that when I walk into the room, you know who I am, that you got to talk to me. And and that's the thing that um, is hard because in Nebraska, you got white people who have a lot of power. And so going in the room, I'm going into every single room and nobody looks like me. So that's a that's a different dynamic. You know, I'm I feel sometimes you know, if there's a room full of black people, I'm I, that's cool, but I a lot of times I would feel more comfortable in a room full of white people because I know I'm the only one there, and I know I know how to navigate that. And so, you know, that's that's probably some of the differences. I don't,
1: you know, me. I went to Tuskegee University and I went to the University of South Florida. Yep. You know, uh, you know, uh, I got a, a different dynamic. You know what I'm saying? Uh, being around a bunch of white people, then I have the dynamic of being around a bunch of black people. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what uh, university you went to, you know, that's what I want to get into and Ask. I mean, I want you to kind of like explain your uh your college, your college career like, you know, uh how was how was college for you, you know what I'm saying? Like the people you were around, uh, the situation, the circumstances, like how was it? What was the atmosphere like?
2: Uh college was college was uh interesting. I went to Concordia University in Seward, Nebraska. Um, Seward is about 6,000 people. Um I went from Uh, extremely diverse high school uh, at Lincoln High School in Lincoln um, to Seward which was like there's probably about 20 black people there Um, Lutheran College I played football so you know a lot of the time that I spent was with my teammates and with my coaches Um, I studied education I wanted to be a teacher that was what I wanted to do Uh, and it was it was a good experience you know we partied we did our thing uh, but it was a lot of self-discovery and I think um, going to Concordia kept me out of a lot of trouble because I was a pastor's kid and I felt like I needed um, to get loose a little bit when I got to college and so being in a smaller environment uh, probably saved me lots of run-ins with the with the police and um, you know when I was coming out of college that was when it, it got real because, you know, I went to the NFL combine, supplemental combine at Ohio State. I did really well there, but I didn't test the grade. My position drills was good, but I didn't test the greatest. And being a football player, you know, it's all about what you do on the field. And so I'm sitting there and I don't want to wait for calls. And so I worked at the group home while I was in college. Uh, working with students who have behavioral um, disabilities and things like that so i was learning how to deal with um, different people how to sell and so at the end of my college experience i decided you know i'm going to leave college early it took me seven years to finish college i'm gonna leave college early and i'm gonna go start working and so instead of when i was coming out of college i was supposed to be a teacher i didn't have the grades to be a teacher and i didn't want to sit another year and a half in school without my scholarship paying for school so I said I'm gonna go do healthcare sales and consulting so I left college um in in 2013 in 2012 and I didn't end up finishing until 2014 um but I left college to go work Um, Got to work in healthcare sales and consulting for National Research Corporation. It's high-level business sales, so you're working with CEOs of hospitals. And um, that was kind of the real thing that changed my life was being able to go fly on planes. And I had never been on a plane until I was 23. You know, go fly on planes and go see the world. But I got to see Howard University. And at Howard University, you know, their hospital was horrible. But what I saw was, you know, black people who were in high ranking positions. And there was this guy, his name was Ron Harris. who was their marketing director. And he said to me, you know, when you guys came and met with me, I thought you were the CEO of the organization. And when he put that bird in my head, like I had never really pictured that. And so um, what I ended up happening was after he said that to me, it just kept going through my head and I went. And I got on the plane, and I wrote my business plan for my nonprofit. And what I did was I ended up leaving my healthcare sales and consulting job, and um, going to start my own nonprofit called Men with Dreams. And when I did that, you know, the reason I tell that story is because when you're talking about college, I'm still, you know, I'm a high, I'm a college dropout at this point in time. I just left my high-paying sales job to go start a nonprofit, and now um, I'm gonna say I. I'm going to do a nonprofit for kids and help them reach their goals and dreams like that was a crazy. um, It was a crazy thing that I did. But what ended up happening was through that process, I ended up earning my degree because the teacher who was um, over the program saw that what we were doing with a nonprofit and said, if you're doing this kind of stuff with your nonprofit, then you've already done the requirements for the class we will give you your degree. And so that's how I ended up graduating. Uh, in 2014, uh, I have a bachelor's in education with minors in history and psychology, and I won the 2017 Young Alumnus of the Year award for Concordia University, uh, along with my old business partner, uh, for the work that we did with our nonprofit. So,
0: growing up in Nebraska, what was your perception of a leader, and how has that evolved? You know, with
2: your experiences. My perception of the leader was, um, there's two different types of leaders to me. There was the leader who was the community leader who usually, um, everybody respected. Um, everybody knew him in, in, in the streets. Um, they're respected in the church. They're respected in their community. They never really made a lot of money, but, um, they were respected and then you have the power leaders and the power leaders were the people who were had a lot of money who were moving and shaking and um, who were getting a lot done but they didn't always have the most um, touch or uh, contact with the community all the time and so from my perception of a leader um, my perception of a leader and what I wanted to desire to be as a leader myself was a mixture of both uh, to be that to be the, the, the powerful, the rich and the wealthy, but to be able to still have love in the streets, uh, still give back to my community and really be uh, that spark that pulls other people up to say, OK, you're a community leader. Let's get you up here so we can make sure that your, your money's right, that your paper's right. Um, you know, starting a nonprofit, um, people who start nonprofits have great hearts, but a lot of their, their work, they're not paid well for. And so, if you're going to do great work that's going to be world-changing work and impact the communities, you need to get paid. And so, um, my desire was always to be able to be in a position to help those not- people in the nonprofit positions and to be able to bless them because I know what it's like starting a nonprofit and um, you know and scratching and, and being hungry and and all that stuff. So, who is Preston
0: today, and what advice would you give you know the younger Preston?
2: Preston today is uh, is prosperous, is wealthy, is rich, is powerful, is uh, patient, is is thankful and grateful. And the biggest thing that I would tell the younger Preston is uh, be grateful and be patient and um, examine the people that you have around you. Um, I the, one of the things that um, makes me unique is I talked to you about my nonprofit but I never told you what happened with my nonprofit. Um, my nonprofit organization we got to the pinnacle We were in year three um, I did all the blood sweat and tears with my homeboy uh, some guy I, I went to school with and then um, one night we were on top of the world we, start, we we're starting to meet we just got a check for 20 grand in uh, things are starting to flow right and I get popped for a possession of marijuana ticket. You know, and I'm and I'm in I'm in the car with my homeboy with my business partner right next to me. And I'm like, you know, if we both get popped, you know, you know, the business is going to die. So especially in Nebraska, because, you know, there's a there's an era of tokenism. Like you're the black guy. You're our black guy. If you do something wrong, we don't mess with you no more. And so that's what kind of happened. I got popped for that ticket. And, uh, you know, I was on top of the world and I got knocked off and uh, to be able to come back and continue to do great work. And, you know, my business partner took my company, you know, we in the car together and he takes my stuff and, and then tells me when I come back that I got to go work for him. You know, that's that's well, tough stuff, you know, and no. I didn't bitch on him and none of that stuff. But at the same time, it's like, you know, to be at the top and get knocked down. Um, but every day working, working and knowing that my worth and knowing my value and to know that I belong up at the top. So, in, however long it takes or however long I got to work to get back up there, I'm going to do that. And, you know, to be a, in Jacksonville and be in the position that I am in right now with, um, an opportunity to do some stuff with the school district here and impact schools and impact students, you know, it's just a blessing. So I'm blessed. I got a beautiful son. Um, I got a, a great uh, partner and in, in, um, in his mother and so we're, we're doing really, really well.
0: You said something very profound, man. You you was at the top and got knocked down and then you end up having to work for your company. Uh, how did you swallow that pill, man? That seemed like a tough pill to swallow but it seemed like you did it gracefully, man, humbly. You know what I'm saying? How, how, how was that for you? How was that experience?
2: That's probably the hardest thing. That's probably one of the hardest things that i ever had to do and i mean yeah i mean it's graceful and it's all that now but like when we talk about like my book and everything like that that's what that's about is um you know it's it wasn't easy you know for the when i first got suspended they told me that i was suspended without timetable and everything like that when i first got suspended i was like i i couldn't get out of my bed for for two weeks for a week man like Cause you got to think like you didn't put your heart and soul into everything you know like in working everything and then you you get taken away from the thing that you work so hard for um and you know at first i was cool with my business you know i thought i was still part of things um per se you know you know we would go smoke and we would talk we'd talk about what's going on with business and whoop de do whoop and everything like that but then you know when i was coming back into all right, it's been a year now I can come back to my company. And it was, um, it was tough, you know, cause I come back in and you know, the things and the, and the, in the vision and the mission that I had set had been changed. And so I'm not one to act like something's cool if it's not cool. And so when I'm sitting there in the meetings and they're making strategy decisions about something that I worked hard to create, and um it's not the strategy or it's not the vision that i um that i had created um after that year i had to walk away i had to say you know bro like this is what you want and that's cool and everything like that but i i can't i can't get down with that like that's not that's not what i envisioned for this company and you know from that relate from that decision our relationship has deteriorated deteriorated but at the same time you know i couldn't go in there and have half step you know i feel like if i'm going to give my time to kids if i'm going to give my time to developing youth then i'm going to give you 100 and i'm going to do the best shit, and that's going to be it you know and if that's not what y'all about that's cool i just i just can't mess with you you know and so that was just kind of it so when you say it was gracefully yeah, like i'm at a point now where it's cool but you know uh there's been times where you know it's gotten heated it's gotten, um, it's gotten real, but, you know, all those experiences allowed me to come to Jacksonville with experience, with knowledge, and had, having done that before, and having been on top of the world before. And so when you're in the top of the world in Nebraska, and then you come to Jacksonville, you know, you might think that it's very different, but it's it's been easier being here because, you know, I never expected to go into a, a meeting with a black woman who's making the decision, you know? Yep. That's, that that was that's been a blessing to me, and so um, I'm excited about the things now. But it took a while, man. It takes a while, but you gotta let go of anger. Every time, every sp- second that I'm spending upset or thinking about them is a the second that I could be spending working on myself. So, you know, let it go, keep moving, because you know, if you believe that God's got something great for you then you got to just trust the process. And like, I, that was a lot. What I heard last week in, in your podcast with the last guy you had on when he was like, you know, you got to have faith and and you got to have faith that, you know, whatever you're going through, whatever process that you're moving through right now, that it's all part of the plan to make you the best that you can be to experience the best success. You're right. I think,
0: I think you touched on something uh, very important when it comes to value, man, being, Being able to work for yourself and, you know, being able to see your value in your work, but then having a mistake and then being devalued in something that you build up. I can see how that could be hard. Um, Let's talk about defining your value. You know what I mean? How what advice would you give to someone in terms of defining their value? And let's talk a little bit about your book, Define Your Value.
2: Okay. Um, so I'll talk about my book. My book is called Divine Your Value. Um, it's five keys to maximizing your potential. Uh, it's just based on my life and my experiences. Uh, it starts right after I got suspended uh, from my nonprofit organization. Um, and that's when I started writing it. And so um, for me to define your value as a person, you have to have like a code that you live by. You have to have like a mantra or something that's going to drive you or your why, which is what a lot of people know. And, you know, and that's got to be the thing that drives you. And my why is never be average. And so to me, that means three things. And this is the concepts that I had to come up with, you know, do your best, hundred uh, percent effort, hundred percent of the time, you know, investing in yourself. That's what doing your best is. And like investing in yourself sometimes is taking the time to read a book taking the time to watch some YouTube videos on some you're interested in taking the time to take a risk and fail you know that's investing in yourself because you're the one who benefits from that um, the next one is you are important and when I say you are important it's like God created you to be you you know he has he put a light inside of you and he wants that light to shine and so what your job is is to be you and to be great at being you and not let anybody else do that and so you are important that means your ideas are important your voice is important you got to stand up for yourself you got to speak up for yourself and that's probably the one that i struggle with the most sometimes um because you know it's easy to let things slide and my friend chris talks about standards you know standards are there to protect you and if you don't put them standards around yourself and you let them standards slip people will slip with them and that that can damage you and so you got to have that standard um so number two is you are important and my last one and um you know with uh quay you was talking about Les brown you know one step forward and so you know i don't care what happens i don't care what the situation is every day we taking a step forward to getting what we want and it might be a small step today it might be a little big step today but we taking a step and when you do that every single day there's nothing that you can't accomplish and your value is knowing that you know god created you to be light and so that's what you got to do is go out and shine that light so what programs
1: and initiatives do you feel should be in place for the youth to overcome and achieve their goals and
2: dreams you know every youth should have a, a couple of programs that i think um necessary and I'm gonna give you one for each level Um, for elementary school students every student should be able to read proficiently by fourth grade by the start of fourth grade Uh, the reason why that's important is because reading is fundamental and at fourth grade you start reading to learn and so like grades kindergarten through third grade you're learning to read you know that's what your job is at fourth grade on you're reading to learn and you know, every kid without that opportunity to learn how to read and read proficiently, they're on a pipeline to prison. And so number one, for edu- for elementary school, every kid should read by fourth grade. That's one program. Number two, for middle school students, they need to do middle school passion and discovery. After school programs for middle school students are, are huge. In middle school, the mind is so, um, fresh and so new and it can be molded in so many different ways and so if you have the opportunity to take that mind and to put it on a trajectory and put it on a path of success and passion and maximizing your potential that's exactly when you need to do that so middle schoolers should all have an after school program and then high school high schoolers need a a positive role model and for us we do that through after-school programs, through the work that I do uh, with the Leadership Development Series. Uh, high schools, that's where um, it's a breeding ground for a whole bunch of different things. You know, it can be a breeding ground for gangs, it can be a breeding ground for excellence, it can be a breeding ground for kids, you know, a lot of different things. And for high school students, especially in the state of Florida, uh, since I've been to Jacksonville, there's some great high schools here. There's bigger high schools than I've ever seen, but there's also high schools that have 11% proficiency rates in math and 21% proficiency rates in readings, but yet they graduate 92% of their students. Like, Where do they do that? So what we have to do is we have to refocus on our education and especially in our high school and go get those kids back and just say like, hey, you got some talent in you. Let us help you get that talent out. Let us help you accomplish whatever you want to do and so that's what my after school our after school program does uh, it's called the leadership development series i work on it with uh, two gentlemen christopher chandler and ben Himmelreck. Uh, it's just designed to help high school students maximize the the talents that are inside of them and and really um start working on it every single day what their dream is you know if you can create a safe environment Where kids can come and be themselves and work on their dream and ask questions because they really, a lot of them really have questions, but they don't know um, the right place to get the information. And if they start going to their friends, they may get wrong information. But we've got to be able to be that resource for those kids so that they can have somebody to go talk to. And, you know, we got kids shooting up schools, you know, that's not right. And to me, that's just a cry for help. They're just asking for somebody to come talk with them, to ask them how their day's going, to ask them what they want out of life. And so we need to be the ones to, to do that and to be that light because you never know uh, what, what, who you can save and what you can save. And every time you turn on the light, you know, you're changing a family, you're changing the community. And so that's why after school programs in high school to help those kids figure out where they want to go with their lives is incredibly important
0: it is important that's very important also able to tap into the educational system where you're not trying to you know education is remember and regurgitate information yeah but the approach you all are taking is more so let's tailor the education program to you know what you see in your future and what you want to achieve you know what i mean and i think that's very powerful because you're giving the keys to education to the youth you know what i'm saying and i think that is very very important
2: um yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Cause like when I was in school, like I I underachieved because nobody told me why I was there. Like nobody tells you what you're learning this for, how to imp- how to use it. And so if you got somebody to tell you, you know, this is why you're learning this. This is what you're supposed to do with it. Mm-hmm. You can be more effective. And black media and black and black culture needs to get back to education, man. Like you know, it's cool. I mean, the ratchet shit is 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 cool for a while, but like. At a certain point in time Like we send in So many kids to jail Yeah So many people Are going to jail Or dying Like at a certain point in time Like enough is enough You, you need to get tired of it And like That's That's probably my biggest frustration With black culture And black community Is like You know We got people Who are supposed to be Heads of our community But Yet They got talk shows And they got platforms For people to come in and talk But yet they don't talk about Stuff that matters Exactly You know and so, like, that's why I respect what you guys do so much with your podcast, because this is the stuff that matters. This is the stuff that's going to make a difference. And so, you know, I appreciate I appreciate you you reaching out and allowing me to be a guest on your show.
0: So, uh, Preston, we appreciate all the work you're doing in Jacksonville. We're, we appreciated your transparency, um, you know, just being open and real with us, because I think in order to make change in anyone, you have to be real with yourself um and so we appreciate that do you have
2: any lasting words that you want to leave with the listeners the last words that I want to leave with the listeners are um take the time to explore the greatness that's within you take the time to affirm yourself and build yourself up take the time to be grateful for the things that you have um and that you're breathing take the time to plan and see and feel your success and then take the time to go get it Um, and once you take the time and you start to see and feel and live that success go back and go get somebody else because you never know who's watching and you never know who who will be sparked by your story and you know I feel like I don't know if you guys saw the Will Smith movie um, on Netflix, that bright movie. Some people really hated it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, some people really hated it. I liked
0: it. I liked it too.
2: I thought they just didn't show the hood version of of, of our side. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think, you know, to be that light um, is a, is a, to be that bright is an important thing. And so, you know, taking the time to explore yourself and explore the talents and the ideas and the, and the, and the beauty that God put in you yourself. Um, that's going to be exposed and spark other people. And so don't be afraid to shine your light because God gave it to you for a reason. Awesome. Shine your light. I like that. Um, where could people, you
0: know, buy, buy your book or where could they reach out, uh, find you uh, for speaking engagements or anything like that?
2: Yes. Uh, you can find my book. Uh, the best place to find it is lulu.com. That's L U L U.com. Uh, you just type in define your value. Uh, that's the best place. It's on sale right now. Uh, we got our back to school special that will end at the end of September. So it's half price. It's $10. It's a hundred pages. Uh, it's a quick read. It's a great read. You're going to feel empowered. You're going to feel motivated. You're going to feel inspired after that. If you'd like to hear me speak or book me for motivational speaking, my email is Preston Randall Harris at gmail.com. Or you can go visit my website, Preston dot net Uh, i'm a i'm a i'm a speaker i'm a real but the best thing that i do when i do motivational speakers is i ask questions um i don't i don't want to be up there and talk the whole time and just make it boring i want it to be fun i want it to be engaging and i want people to actually get something out of it and so uh, you can follow me on instagram hero harris uh, and I'm, I'm, i'm gonna be the be there hopefully at the end of the day get this big breakthrough with this podcast i think this is something that you know i've been waiting for for a long time um just to be able to talk with somebody about the stuff that's going on in my life so you guys have really been a blessing to me and uh giving me a lot of extra juice to just say okay it's time to make some of these things happen because people need to hear um the real it's just that time um it's time i I don't i don't know i'm a drake fan, uh so you know old drake not so much new drake but (laughs) when he's talking about the real has got to rise you know it's it's about that time
0: this concludes episode 15 of the process be sure to follow us on instagram twitter and facebook and to like us on soundcloud and itunes thank you they're chanting "Trust trust the process trust the process trust the process
1: I think the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I wanna be and how I wanna be remembered. Like that was my thing. You know, oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I wanna leave, not only on the industry, but the effect that I wanna leave on people. Being a whole human being, going through my obstacles, going through the things that I'm going through. And not to only Broadcast these things, but for it to inspire you.